very creative. All right, let's, let's pray. Thank you, Father. Holy Spirit, we just thank you that you're here. We thank you that you, you are saving people. You are, you are doing what you do best. You are setting the captives free. You are giving recovery of sight to the blind. You are restoring people back to the Father. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Lord. Amen. Um, I want to I go to Ephesians. We're going to jump straight into it. Turn with me to Ephesians 4. Bible says that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory. So the glory is where we're meant to be. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory. So the glory is, is where we're meant to live every single day of our life as a follower of Jesus. And so Ephesians 4, this is a very popular passage and one that we've shared here many, many times before. Um, and I want, to, I want to kind of go through some things this morning, do a little bit of a teaching, uh, and we're going to jump around a few passages, but uh, we're, this is going to be our, our anchor verse and our main verse for where we want to go. And um, bear with me, I've been up since 5.30 or whatever it was, but <laughs> and, um, and so, yeah, we'll, we'll get there. But four, uh, four verse, let's start at verse, Ephesians 4, we'll start at verse 4. So there is one body... And one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to, that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. Pause right there for a second. The book of Ephesians is Paul at the very beginning. We don't have time for it, but in chapter 1, chapter 2, we have chapter 1, we have blessed, you know, we're blessed and seated in heavenly places with Christ. And then we have chapter 2, Paul begins to outline. Um, he, he starts this statement, he says, um, we've been predestined. He's talking about the Jews. He's saying, we have, we have, we have, we have this. And he makes this whole statement about the Jews. And then he goes into, and you also. And he starts to talk to the Gentiles. And he says, and you've been grafted into the commonwealth of Israel. And so he's like, you, us, 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 talking about the Jews. And then he's like, and you also. also. Like he's making this clear distinction. It's 11 times that Paul says, us talking about the Jews, and then he transitions into talking about the Gentiles, that they've been grafted in, which is, if you're not a Jew in this room, that's you, okay? <laughs> you're a Gentile. And so here, he picks it up and he's saying, there's one God. That one God is the God over the Jews and the Gentiles. That's, what he, that's the context of that, um, what, he's, what he's saying. So, but grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift, Therefore it says, so he's quoting an, 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 an Old Testament passage, when he ascended on high, he led host captives and he gave gifts to men. Right? He gave gifts to men. In saying he ascended, what does it mean but that he had also descended into the lower regions of the earth? He who descended is the one who also ascended far above all the heavens, that he might fill all things. 
All right, so it's talking about Jesus, right? He, he descended into the lower parts of hell, the lower parts of the earth. What did he do there? Not a trick question. He got the keys back. He got the keys of the kingdom back so that, not that he could hold on to the keys of the kingdom, but that so he could give the keys of the kingdom to you and I, right? So he, he descended and then he ascended. Remember in, when he, it says that uh, when he was in the garden, he says to Mary, don't touch me, I've yet to ascend to be with the Father. It's a strange verse, right? But Jesus is like, don't touch me, I've yet to, be, I've yet to ascend to be with the Father, and so he's ascending. He's on his way up to heaven and he, and he has a, a pit stop in the garden with Mary, right? And so here he says, uh, the one who descended, he fills all things. And he gave, then the next verse, verse 11. And he gave the apostles. So where it says uh, in verse 8, and he gave gifts to men, this is what he's now answering. Paul's now addressing this. And he gave apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds or pastors and teachers to equip the saints. Who are the saints? Us. For the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. All right, uh, we'll keep reading. Until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood, to the measure, verse 7, to the measure, oh, sorry, verse 13, to the measure of the statue of the fullness of Christ. All right, so back up. So Paul says, Jesus descended into the lower parts. We know he got the keys of the kingdom back, and then he ascended, and then he gave gifts to the body. The gifts are people. Graces on the on people's lives. These aren't people. You don't decide. I want to be a prophet, and I'm going to pull out my business card and hand that out to people. It doesn't work like that. All right. You don't decide. Oh, that person's. These are gifts that God has graced for that office. And some are apostles, some are prophets, some are teachers, some are evangelists, and some are pastors to equip the saints to do the work of ministry. Amen. Are you with me? Right? Why? And the answer is, he says, so that we would grow up into the fullness of Christ, into a mature manhood. And then he goes on, he says, so, verse 14, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness in deceitful schemes. Rather, Speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way in him who is the head into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Wow, that's a good verse. I'll say this from the outset. This is kind of where we'll probably land, but I'll, I'll, I'll say the finish right now. An apostle's job, a prophet's job, a pastor's job, an evangelist's job, a teacher's job, their role is not to multiply themselves. Their role is to multiply Christ in you, right? Their role is to point you to Jesus. If you're following a prophet or an apostle or an evangelist and their role is to point you to their ministry, they've, they've settled for a lesser gospel. Their role is to multiply Christ in you, the hope of 
glory, right? So there it is. So Christ in you. So it's their job that a good mother or a good father points their children to the best way they should go. A, a, a terrible father is the father that stands on the sideline at sport and says, oh, you know, and lives their dream through their son or their daughter. Don't do that. Right? A good father or a good mother stands on the sideline and he's like, hey, that child is, is called to be the best version of them that they can be. Does that make sense? Yeah. And so here it says that, that when this is functioning well, we're not tossed around by every wind of doctrine. We, we're not taking a little bit of, of this doctrine and the world's doctrine and this doctrine. We're taking the fullness of the gospel and applying that to our, uh, to our lives. And so <clears throat> I want to just go through, this could be a broad um, spectrum of things, but really quickly, because there's a lot of new people uh, in the house and, and I just don't want to assume. The word apostles, I wanted to show the, uh, the, a little video this morning, but I, was, I just didn't have time to do it. But the word apostle was a secular word. It wasn't used in the Old Testament. It was a secular word. And it was taken by Jesus. And what would happen, Rome would conquer a city. <clears throat> Rome would conquer a city. And then they would, they would infiltrate the city. And then they'd kill off that city. They basically started, they would just kill the people in the city. And they, they realized, that's probably not a good idea. It's probably not good to just kill every person in that city. Because how do we culturize and how do we tend to the land? How do we, you know, do all these things that are in that city? So what they discovered was a better way to do it was to send an apostle ship from the place that it was sent like an actual boat a, a, a ship and they would send a ship full of culture like culture people to go into that city and culturize that city to live like Rome lived so Jesus says you're my apostles right you're to take heaven and culturize earth Right? I'm not gonna, he, he doesn't snatch us out of earth. He leaves us in earth. But he deposits, the hev, he deposits heaven inside of us so that we would happen to the world, not the world happen to us. Right? So he says, you're my apostles. You're my, my game changers, my world changers. And I want you to go into the world as little lambs, as, be as, as crickets. <laughs> to be as innocent as doves and as shrewd as serpents. I want you to go into the world to, to, to culturize the world, not to dominate the world. People hear this and they're like, oh, you're preaching like a, a domination gospel. That's not what it is. We, we, we serve humanity because of the love of Jesus. Here he says to speak the truth in love. There's a lot of Christians that love to speak the truth, but it's not in love. <laughs> and the world's not dumb. I'm going on a side tangent here, but the world's not dumb. They're not idiots. You know yourself when a car salesman comes up or someone knocks on your front door and you're like, oh, they're just here to sell me something. Or when someone's genuine in love. You know the difference. I remember when we were in, uh, we went down, I've shared this story before, but we, we went down to Moorabark and we, there was this woman at the train station and I, I, I think we handed her like $100 and 
And uh, she said, oh, no, no, I'm good. I'm really wealthy. I don't need your money. And I said, oh, actually, we just want to bless you. It's not actually about the amount of money, and it's not about whether you're rich or poor. We just, I felt God highlight me, highlight you to me, and I just want to bless you with $100. And we, she didn't want to take it and sort of walked away. And she called me back, and she said, you genuinely believe what you're talking about. I can tell you're genuine. Anyway, that cracked. The fact that I, she realized I wasn't trying to lead her to a church that I was the church coming to her, um, she, it cracked open where she started. She told me about her divorce and a whole bunch of issues that she's going on. We were just able to pray for her and love on her. Why? Because it was genuine. It wasn't a put on. It wasn't like, all right, I better put my love hat on now. It was like genuine. Does that make sense? All right, moving on. Sidetrack him. All right, and so here it says that the, when the fivefold, that's the term for for the fivefold ministry, are functioning well. So let me just put it this way. A prophet's job, we'll go through them. A prophet's job is to equip the saints to be able to hear the voice of God and correctly interpret prophetic words and prophetic utterances in their own personal life and corporate life. Really simple one would be, People have prophesied about the judgment of God over, you know, the fires in Victoria. And they say, oh, that's because of the abortion laws in our state. That is an incorrect prophetic interpretation. That is not the will of God. That is from the devil. All right. So that, <laughs> that's a simple one to just illustrate that, that how that is one way of doing it. But then there are, so a teacher's job, a teacher's job is to correctly train the saints to be able to read the word and not just read it, but understand it and apply it to our life. An evangelist's job is to equip the saints to be able to share the gospel. It drives me crazy when people say, uh, or not drives me crazy, I get a little chuckle. When, that's a better way of putting it. I get a little chuckle when people say, I'm not an evangelist. I'm like, you might not be an evangelist, but you're a son or a daughter of God. That doesn't get you out of sharing the gospel. I'm sorry. <laughs> or people are like, oh, I'm not pastoral. What they're really saying is I don't like caring for people. <laughs> right? It's like, no, no, it does, you might not be super gifted in that, which some people aren't, and that's totally fine. But here, it's not about whether you're one of those five. You never, ever outgrow being a son or a daughter of God. I tell you right now, there will be a day where apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers don't exist, but there'll never be a day where sonship doesn't. I'm fired up this morning. <laughs> All right, so it's pointing us to a maturity. It's pointing us to a maturity. What is the maturity? It's not the sanctuary church. It's not Bethel Church. It's not Jesus' image. It's, not, it's Christ. The maturity is the headship and that the body would be aligned with the head. That's the maturity. The maturity is Jesus and Christ and Christ alone. I know I put a little thing up on Facebook and it was kind of cheeky, but I, it was genuine. Dean and I were in the office and we were just planning a little bit for next year and we are like, Series for next year, 2023, and I was like, Jesus, full stop, done. That was, that was, that was, that's, the, that's the plan. Why? Because we have to rightly understand that Paul is saying here, he's saying these five, are gift, these five officers are gifted by God to push people, to train people, to equip people 
in the fullness of Jesus. Not the fullness of them, not the fullness of a church doctrine, but the fullness of the gospel. Are you with me? Come on. So I want to go through four things, four M's. Anyone that knows me knows I don't usually do three-point sermons or four-point sermons, but we're going to go through four M's that I really think encapsulate this, right? Because Jesus got, he got the keys of the kingdom back and he's, he's given us all authority in heaven and on earth, right? And so four things. The first one is Jesus, because it's, it's all about Jesus, all right? So Jesus came with a mission. First M, Jesus came with a mission. This was his mission. It's found in, in, in uh, 1 John 3, verse 15. So go to 1 John 3, verse 15. This is his mission. Some of you have heard this before, but that's all right. I was thinking about it this week, and I was like, I think... I think I and, and, and Dean and, and others in this house, we probably have one message. It's just come at it from 500 different angles. <laughs> so we have one message and it's Jesus. And I know we joke about that, but it, it's, it really is. When we rightly understand the Son of God, who he is, that Jesus Christ is the truth about you and he is the truth about God, it'll change your life. Jesus is the truth about you. 1 John 4, 17. As he is, so you are in this world. You're not a byproduct of your past. They might have shaped you and culturized you, but you now are under a different rulership. You're under the rulership of heaven. And we've got to get this because it talks about the maturity and we've got to move past. Let me just sidetrack for a second, then we'll go to our four M's. This is where I'm coming at it from. You could be sitting there and hearing this and going, oh, I've heard this before, I've heard similar things, or maybe I've never heard this. This, what we're doing right now, is important. Corporate, who loves corporate worship? I just love corporate worship, right? This is important. Teaching the Word of God, super important. We need it, we don't apologize for it, we don't apologize for this. If this is the high watermark of Christianity, boy, oh boy, we've missed it. If this is the only time you have a meal, then you're a hungry, starving Christian. It's this, 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 what happens on a Sunday or our Bible nights or the things that we put on to um, show love to our community or do these things. These are, these are just tools and avenues of ways of expressing the gospel. They're just a small portion of that. But this, what we're doing right now, should be a Holy Spirit training center to equip you to get out of the four walls and be Jesus to the world around you, or however he's called you to do that. Right? However he's called you to do that. And so, so often we, we're like, oh, I'm waiting for the church to put on something to be involved. Stop it. <laughs> Stop it. It, it. Be Christ in your world. He, he, might, have, he, he might have called you to, to, to the business realm. 
And you might be, that might be the world that you're in. I remember someone once said to me, they said, Liam, I cannot wait to quit my job so I can be like Todd White and an evan- like Andrew Scarborough and be an evangelist to the world around me. And I'm like, why don't you just do it in your workplace? You're a son. You know, don't be Todd White. Be you. <laughs> be Christ in you. I mean, get it. Glean from these guys. But be you in the world that you live in. All right. All right. I think you're getting it. All right. John 3. 1 John 3. Um, 15. This is the mission of Jesus. Did I say that? Mission? This is the mission. Is it 1 John 3? I think it's 1 John 3, 5. Sorry. No one who... Abo- uh, verse 5. You know that he appeared in order to take away sins. And in him there is no sin. Jesus appeared with the mission to take away sin. I heard this really cool thing the other day. North and south at some point touch, but east and west never touch. Jesus said, he said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. As far as the... They never meet. They don't touch. That's how far he removed sin. So he came with a mission to destroy sin. He came with a mission to transform you from the domain of darkness into the kingdom of his beloved son. That you went from a sinner, you were a sinner, to a saint. Sanctification isn't a process, it's a person. Oh, here we go. Touched a nerve. Sanctification, you, the word sanctification is the word hagiosmos, right? You cannot live out a marriage, sorry, you cannot be a husband unless you're married. Yeah. Yes? Yeah. Right? The moment you are married, it's, it's the word hagios. You are born again. You are sanctified. You have been made holy. You have been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. You've been, a sinful nature has been taken out and you've been put in with the, the Holy Spirit takes up residency inside you. Sanctification is now you outworking what you've become. If you can become more like Jesus or, or get more of Jesus inside you in that way by your self-effort, then you will revert back to self-righteousness. So, so the mission of Jesus was to take sin out of you so that you could live like he lives and practically outwork that thing called the gospel. Does that make sense? I'm not becoming more married to my wife. I can't. But I can learn how to have an awesome marriage. That's sanctification. That's the process. Does that make sense? All right. If you've got a problem with that, Dean at Welcome to Sanctuary. .org.au. All right. Just kidding. Um, the second one is Jesus came with a message. Jesus came with a message. The message is found in 1 John 1.5. Go to 1 John 1.5. It says this. This is the message we have heard from him and proclaim to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. God is light and in him is no darkness. This is a whole message in and of itself. 
Jesus settled for all time what the Father is like. Jesus came and he settled the score. This is what the Father is like. It says in the last days, God spoke through his prophets, but in these days, he's spoken through his son. We have to get this. We have to grow in this. There's too many of us that filter God through the lens of the Old Testament and not through the Son. And we say things that are, you know, like the disciples, they're like, let's call fire down on this city. <laughs> and Jesus is like, you do not know what spirit you are of. Where did they get that from? They got that from the Old Testament. Jesus, there is a clear distinction. We're in a new covenant. We're in a new covenant. We're not in the old. Jesus fulfilled the law and the prophets. Come on. So he came with a message. The message was to reveal who the Father is and that he's good and in him is no darkness. I mean, think about this. There's no darkness in him and he's like, oh, and I'm in you. That's Jesus' prayer in John 17. He prays, let them be one as you and I are one and I in you and you in us and them in us. And Come on. That's a good deal. And we're t- so often though, we're like, oh, this is my experience, right? And that determines truth, not Christ in me and who God is through me determines truth. This might be truth little t, but it's not big truth, right? I can park myself in a garage. It doesn't make me a car. I can bark like a dog. It doesn't make me a dog. It means I'm ignorant. People perish for a lack of miracles. No, people perish for a lack of knowledge. All right. I love you. Okay. The third, third M is ministry. We're just flying through these. The third one is ministry. Jesus came with the ministry of the kingdom. That's what he came to do. He came to display what the kingdom of God is like. 106 times he preaches on the kingdom of God. Doesn't preach on anything, any other topic more than the kingdom. He had 40 days with his disciples after he resurrected. You would think if he's going to talk about anything, what, would, what did he talk about? You'd be like, oh, let's pay attention. I've got 40 days with my disciples and I want to talk about the most important things because then I'm about to ascend and go to be with the Father. What am I going to talk about? And it says he talked to him about everything pertaining to the kingdom. Do you know when Jesus is baptised, it says from that time forth, he proclaims Matthew 4.17, I think it is, from that time forth, he proclaimed the kingdom of God. He didn't proclaim the kingdom of God and have disciples before his baptism because no one's supposed to follow him in fulfilling the law. They're supposed to follow him as a disciple of the kingdom. Does that make sense? So before his baptism, he doesn't have disciples. He does that for a reason. It says after he comes up out of the water, he gathered the 12 and he proclaimed the kingdom. Because it says this was to fulfill the shadow of to fulfill all righteousness. It's good. So he proclaimed the kingdom. 
This is the one I want to just sit on for a moment. Romans 14. Go with Romans 14. Verse 17. What are, we, what are we supposed to seek, church? What is it? Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And all things will be added. So if, if you try and add all things and then say this is the kingdom, you'll, you'll fall short. Right? So seek first his righteousness and then all these things get added. Right? Romans 14 verse 17. Remember, this is under the context of what I'm sharing is under the context of the fivefold in equipping us to be ministers of the gospel, not be swayed by every wind of doctrine and grow up into the fullness of Christ. All right? So do not, uh, sorry, verse 17. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Where's the Holy Spirit? In you. It's the greatest, it's the greatest multiplication thing the world has ever seen. God's like, the, sorry, the devil's like, ha ha, I killed your saviour. Jesus like, ha ha, I'm about to multiply me in every person from this day forth. And I'm not going to multiply myself, I'm going to deposit the kingdom of God inside of them because the Holy Spirit lives inside of them. That's genius. That is brilliant, right? That is Jesus' genius, that's right. And so, so then the next verse says, Whoever thus serves Christ is acceptable to God and approved by men. It's a strange verse. I've, shared, I've talked about this here before, but um, that, that word approved is the word um, dok, dokimos. I'm probably pronouncing it wrong, but it's the word dokimos. And it's, it means that in that time there were traders that they would trade coins, silver or gold, and, or whatever element, and they were known as dokimos traders, that they would not shave off coins. They were trusted and trustworthy traders. So you could bring your food or whatever, and you would get the exact currency in exchange um, that you were hoping for. You, it would be a great exchange, right? Does that make sense? So there were dodgy ones that would shave off silver or gold or metal or whatever, and they would hand you back less, essentially, for what they were given. Here, that word where it says, you are um, acceptable to God and approved by men. Church, listen, the kingdom of God. So Jesus rises. He gets the keys of the kingdom back. He says, all right, listen, this is what I'm going to do. I came with a mission to destroy sin. So sin isn't the issue anymore inside of a believer. So he says, all right, sin is dealt with. I dealt with that. I killed it on the cross. Then I deposited the Holy Spirit inside of you so you can have intimacy with God, be equipped for the ministry of the kingdom, and you are approved by men to trade with humanity, to trade their sorrow for the kingdom of joy, to trade their depression for the kingdom of freedom. You have that. You have something to trade with humanity. Are you catching it? Right? You have the kingdom of God inside you. So you have something to give them. Stop waiting. Oh, Andrew will deal with that. Dean will deal with that. Liam will deal with that. Lisa. You have the kingdom of God inside you. You're a son. You don't get any more a son. I remember when um, I was thinking about this story for a couple of weeks now, but 
I was on a train probably four or five years ago. I, was, I can't remember why. I was catching a train into the city. I was just past Croydon. And um, big thump. Big thump at the, at the front of the train. I was at the front. Big bang. I was like, oh, I hope that was a dog. It wasn't a dog. And, I was, and the train went deadly silent. I was like, oh boy, this is, this is, this is happening. The bus driver, uh, the train driver, sorry, comes out the door and, and um, he's visibly shaken. And I was, I was right there at the front and, you know, I, I was shaken. I was like, oh man. And, um, and I said, oh, it, it, he says, nah. He sort of shook his head. He's like, nah, it's not good. And I was like, all right. I said, man, we're going we're gonna to pray for you. I'm just going to pray for you. And anyway, he said, oh, I've got to go. Because he went back in and he called everyone on the train into the front carriage for a reason. So the train was packed. It was, it was, it was like rush hours packed. Anyway, we're on this moment and I'm on the train and I'm like, all right, I'm shaking. I'm like, I'm like, oh, this is, you know, people are crying, people are weeping on the train. And I'm like, this is a moment where I'm here. I have an opportunity to bring the kingdom. So I, I just, I, I don't get nervous a lot, but I was nervous, right? And um, I, I just yelled out in the train. I was like, hey, obviously something bad has just happened. And I said, we just need to pray and ask Jesus right now to fill this carriage, to pray for the cane drive, train driver. And we need to pray for peace over this family because they're about to get a phone call that they don't want to get. And I said, can we all hold hands? It's probably, I don't know how many people fit in a train, but the whole train was packed, right? We all, every single person on the train grabbed hands and bowed their heads and we prayed, right? And we just prayed, we prayed and we just, and I just prayed the most pitiful prayer, but it was like, oh, we just prayed for peace over the train driver, peace over this family, right? We, we obviously didn't see a resurrection or anything like that, but in that moment, the world was in torment and it was my job to bring that world into that moment, right? And you could feel the peace of God come into the room, come into that train carriage. I got to pray with the train driver personally afterwards as we all exited and I just prayed with him and just encouraged, just said, hey, like, you're going to be okay. You know, you're not going to let this uh, ruin your, your, your career or, you know, because they go through a lot of trauma. And so um, he, he just thanked me and he's like, oh, thanks so much for praying. He's like, I really felt that, like, a, a, something come off me when you prayed. So awesome. Everywhere we go, whether it's a cafe, our workplace, our, our families, we have the kingdom of God inside of us. You have keys for situations and circumstances in your world. You have situations, there's not another you. Jesus broke the mold when he made you. And he was like, hey, there's not another you. So you might be like, you might, you might be just, all you're doing right now is at home with the kids as a stay-at-home mum. That is awesome. That is just as significant as it is being a CEO of a business. That is just as significant. There's no hierarchy in that. All right. The last one is the ministry. Uh, sorry, we said that one. The last one is the motive. The motive of Jesus was to bring you back to the Father. John 17, 3. That was the motive, motive of Jesus, was to bring you back to the Father. This is eternal life. 
that they would know God the Father and Jesus Christ whom you've sent. Alright? That's the motive. The motive, everything undergird that Jesus did. Everything. The woman with the issue of blood. Father. Jesus walking on water. That's the Father. It says Jesus was the exact representation of God. The woman caught in adultery. That's a father-daughter moment. It's the father. When Jesus prays, he doesn't pray, oh, the elect ones that are on pulpits and then the other plebs in the pews. He prays a corporate prayer that invites everyone in. He prays, our father. He makes it everyone. We have to stop this us and them and super Christians, and I'm just a mere lowly Christian who doesn't, who doesn't, you're a son and a daughter of the King of glory. That's who you are. That's who you've been created to be. That's who you are, church. And I want to push us to this maturity thing because we've got to stop, we've got to stop drinking milk and get into the meaty things of the gospel. The gospel's deep and profound, but it is simple. <laughs> it's deep and profound, but it is simple. Listen to what, I'm just going to read this and then we're going to close. Listen to what the next part of that verse in Ephesians 4 says. Now this I say, verse 17, This I say and testify in the Lord that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to their hardness of heart. They have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy, to practice every kind of impurity. But this is not the way you learned Christ. Assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus, put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through the deceitful desires and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self, created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbour, for we are members of one another. Hmm. So what does the fivefold do? The fivefold equips us who's ever heard like you would probably get this when you get when dean teaches you probably oh you're like oh man he goes into the word and you're like man i just got a hunger for the word of god right when you hear when you hear andrew preach you just can't help but get fired up for souls right yeah so but what what it is is it's not these god has gifted people to equip us to be Jesus, not to be Andrew, not to be Liam, not to be Dean, but to be Jesus in our world wherever we go. Amen? All right, why don't you stand? Jesus invites us into a family affair. <laughs> it's a family affair. It's not an us versus them. It's not a... You know, it's, it's a family affair.
You might be like, why, why are you preaching this? What's the, what's the kind of the reason for this message? The reason is simple. That in every single person in this room, Christ would be formed in a way that we would grow in maturity and we would actually start to be the arms, the feet. We are. We are. I know I'm preaching to the choir. I'm preaching to the converted. I get that. And, and we, you guys just love community and people so, so well. I'm, I'm bringing us higher again to say, hey, let's go again next year in our weeks coming up to Christmas. Let's go higher again to not be tossed by every wind of doctrine, to be steadfast in the maturity of Jesus. Not the steadfast in maturity of our church or those things. This is good. This is the tribe we are a part of called the sanctuary. We're one small part of a big kingdom, right? Um, and, and, but we are a part of a kingdom. We are a part of a kingdom. It's not a democracy. We are a part of a kingdom with a king. His name is Jesus. And I'm a follower of Jesus. And you're a follower of Jesus. And Paul said, imitate me as I imitate Christ. And so he's, he's pointing people to Jesus. And our heart for this house into next year and beyond is that we would continue to point people to Jesus to see his kingdom advance on earth as it is in heaven. And that we would go, we're going to go after this, the fivefold, because I, I believe that it, it says, when it says, it says, when those are working together, the fullness begins to take place. But there isn't until we attain the unity of the faith in the Son of Man. Right? Does that make sense? And so we're, some of us, so we're super pastoral and you're like, you just, you need, to, you get around people and that's awesome. We need pastors, we need teachers, we need evangelists, we need the whole body functioning together. But it's not the title that you're after. It's sonship that you're after. Amen? All right, let's put our hands out. We're just going to pray. I'm just going to pray a blessing and then we're going to close the service. So Father, I just thank you right now that we would mature, right now there'd be a grace over our life to mature into the things of Jesus. Maybe where we've felt just a little bit dry, maybe where we've felt a little bit like, oh, I'm just, I'm not quite like that, or I'm not, or there's this comparison thing comes in. Lord, I break that off right now in Jesus' name. I give people permission right now. God, you would give people permission to be the best version of them. God, we want to see Christ formed in people's hearts and minds so that we wouldn't be tossed by every wind of doctrine, by the waves and, tri and trials of this world. But when trials and tribulations come, we will be of good cheer because you have overcome the world. I thank you, Lord, that you didn't take us out of this world, but you kept us in it because that's the best plan for humanity. And Father, I thank you that we would be light, salt and leaven to our world around us, to our families, to our cashier, to our coffee person, to the world that we live in. Everywhere we go, we get to the kingdom of Jesus to them. We get to trade, we get to trade something of value and be approved by man. We get to be a dokimos trader. God, and I pray, I pray that we would never, ever be about titles. We would honour, yes, we would honour a prophet in the name of a prophet. We would have a high degree of honour. But we would serve, we would serve 
our, our community and we would try and outdo each other with honour and love each other, what it says in Romans. God, that this would be a family who has a father which is full of sons and daughters. And I pray right now that the mothers and fathers in this house, those that are called to these offices, would arise and shine as well. We don't neglect them, we don't excuse them, we don't put them lower than they are, but we, we, we hold them in their rightful place. In Jesus' name. And everyone said? Amen. Amen. Look at that. Right on 12. Bang on. All right. Hey, have a great week. Um, youth, there's a youth no, uh, break up today at 12.30, 1.30. Dean, at, um, yeah, there you go, yeah. See Dean. See Dean. And uh, he's got all the details. Otherwise.